I get a tattoo. That your teachers says, have to take off your robes. That, that I was quote. just about to reference that. So here's the thing, Lena. Why do why do they believe her? A wo- they're about to perform. They have this thing they planned, and a woman just comes up to them and says, "Take off your robes." And they're like, "What?" And she goes, "I don't know. Just your teacher says take off your robes, okay?" And they fucking do it. Why would they listen to that? They know there are other teams competing, other schools great, trying to take them it's down. A great, it's a great plot point. Why the fuck am I surprised? I'm always right, DJ. Just get used to it. You know what? I will say it. Grammys so white. Grammys are white. Grammys so white. Hashtag Grammys so white. (laughs) So are the Oscars, which are coming up this week. Yeah. uh, Next week. Whatever. Same thing. It's like award show so white. Award show so white. But... Fucking horrifying. And I love, you know I love Taylor Swift. Our little bro extravaganza to go to the 1989 tour, my idea. It was. Great time. Had so much fun. Heim killed it. But you know that I love Taylor Swift. You know that I love great pop music. You know that I love Max Martin. I like Jack Antonoff. I get down with Shellback. I love all the people that made 1989. How the hell are they going to give that album of the year other than grammy so white explain yourself pete because it's the best pop album of the decade it's the best pop so i of the past decade i looked it up (laughs) i looked up the like i said it blindly i was like this is my favorite pop album for the past 10 years i looked up like the other things that could contend with it and i still so i we got in this argument last week and i remember thinking i'm not prepared to make it the proper counter argument to this and i never went back and looked but off the top of my head Future Sex Love Sounds is better. Nope. Um, but that's also another one where, like, that was produced by uh, that was pr- produced by Timbaland. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But like, the, uh, when I looked it up, like Gaga, Born This Way was really oh, great. Yes. Yes. Um, Fame Monster as well. Yeah, and that I think that ended up winning. Born This Way didn't. No, neither of them won. Really? Uh, okay. What the, the the suburbs? Um, Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire. Yeah, Arcade right. Fire won over the Fame Monster. I think. Born This Way lost to I forget who. But uh, Pete, uh, do you know who the last black artist to win Album of the Year was? TLC. We're not <laughs> editing out this pause because you have to think and you know no. your shit about music and you can't think of one. That would be 2005 Ray Charles. Outcast won the year before because the world would have fucking burned down if Speaker Box of Love Below didn't win. So, but since then, and I mean, there haven't been too many huge ripoffs of, of black artists for best album. The, the biggest one, 2006. Uh, U2's How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb is apparently a better album than late registration, <laughs> right? So, I guess I mean I I just I really wasn't expecting the the Max Martin album to to beat out a great album that happened to be by a great black artist this year. I didn't think even with all the race issues that's going on in the entertainment industry right now, I just didn't think for it. My mind couldn't even process the possibility. That's why, I mean, you thought that Taylor Swift was going to win. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the most asinine thought because Kendrick, in, his, in addition to being deserving of winning, I just figured that given that he got 11 nominations, they knew, all right, this guy's the best. Instead, they give him the 11, 11 nominations. They have him perform, which I think we can all agree. Fucking crushed it. Unbelievable in, performance. In an otherwise pretty bad show. I think yeah. there was like two. I thought Gaga's uh, Bowie tribute was pretty good. Yeah. I thought um, the Gary Clark Jr. and Chris Stapleton. Yeah, the BB yeah. King tribute was pretty good. And then Kendrick. Yeah. Those are the three that stood out as being co- at least memorable. Right. The other ones kind of stunk. So that's my argument. They took Kendrick and made him this the kind of centerpiece of An this attraction. by being able to hype yeah. him up and saying, all right, see, we're hip. We know what we're doing. We're taking one of the greatest albums ever and making it the, the face of this show, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to actually give him any of these real awards. He didn't get any of the big four awards. Song of the Year, which is... People got confused between what's Record of the Year and what's Song of the Year. Record of the Year is what shit can you just get down to? Song of the Year is what do you think was the best written song of the year? 
They gave Song of the Year to Thinking Out Loud, which I love, Ed Sheeran. It's a great, that song great is Let's song, Get It On. Yeah. It's, we've heard that song before, and I have, if you've ever heard me talk about music ever, you know that I have no problem with lifting, borrowing, um, paying homage to past things that have happened before. But Thinking Out Loud is not a great written song. It's something, it's borrowing from years past. It would be like if Blurred Lines was And it's very basic. Blurred Lines actually may have won Song of the Year. I think I it know. did. Yeah. Um, it's very basic. Yes. It's uh, on, it's four chords, the entire song. Uh, actually, no, the, the pre-chorus, the people fun. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. so it, there's some slight variation to it, but it is as basic. A, it's like a slight notch above Get Lucky as far as repetitive, totally basic, great sounding Love songs yourself. go. Right. Same sort of deal. Blurred Lines again. Um so, some surprises there, but I just thought there was no fucking way that Kendrick wasn't going to win Album of the Year. Not only does he not win Album of the Year or Song of the Year, he doesn't win Record of the Year. He doesn't win... Um, what are the, what's the, the fourth big one? There's Song of the Year, Record of the Year, Album of the Year. Um, oh, Best New Artist. So, he obviously wasn't going to win that. So, um, anyway, I was furious they did that. And I didn't check on this, so apologies. But I think that they don't normally give out best rap album during the show i think that's one of the awards that they give out beforehand they made that the first award that they br- that they gave out and they brought out a couple of compton guys um which is awesome yes and did you did you see that uh that after ice cube handed out the award he just fucking went home really yeah he gave out the first award of the night and then was just like fuck this i'm out of here and, and then yeah <laughs> he took a video of himself on the way home he's like you idiots think I was staying there for the whole show. He's like, fuck no. Really? <laughs> yeah, and he's smoking a blunt oh, on the way home. Oh, God, I love... He's the best. I love Ice Cube. I think that they just gave out the rap album, Just, Grammy, to just so they could say that they Kendrick gave... an Ken- album. Yeah, so yeah. he could make a speech. Because despite him winning five Grammys, that was the only fucking time that you saw Kendrick outside of his performance. And Shameful. And this year's Grammys was a record low for actual Grammys handed out during the show. Really? Yes. Because they amped up the performances? Yeah, they had more performances. I think it was like 11, maybe, that they handed out throughout the show. Wow. What did you think? very low. What did you think of the Monday night thing? The Monday night thing. Did that impact you at all? Um, They moved it from Monday to... to... No, I mean, like, I don't... I didn't care. The only reason that it kind of bummed me out was that Better Call Saul was on that night. Yeah, what did you think of Better Call Saul? Awesome. Awesome. It's... It's... I forgive the kind of uh, stepping stone episodes with Better Call Saul because it's a slow burn, but right. it's a great slow That's burn. That's a good way of putting it. Like nobody does the slow burn better than Vince Gilligan. Uh, our our friend Dan Kagan said uh, last year during one of the episodes that nobody can turn the mundane into or make the mundane feel like magnificent like Vince Gilligan can. So shouts to Better Call Saul for being back. We're psyched about that. Uh, we're also psyched about the news that a great show that we haven't been able to talk about because we've been been, saving it. We've been saving it for this guest we're going to have, uh, Master of None. Fucking brilliant show. And we wanted to get this guest back when Master of None, like, maybe, what, like a a couple of weeks after it came out? Like, right after it came out. crushed it in, like, a week. And we were like, all right, we need to get somebody from the show on so we can talk about it. And she said yes right away. yes right away. But she... So it's Lena Waithe who plays Denise on, on Master of None. And uh, Lena Waithe is not an actress. She or she's certainly an actress in Master of None, uh, but she's a TV writer. She's a producer. She's she works in the entertainment industry. So she's, a she's fucking baller. working a lot. Oh, the more we've stalked her since watching <laughs> Master of None, like uh, I, we were talking with her assistant, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, so just real quick, what 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 will the interview be about?" I and, hate that question, by the way. Hate right. Well, so I I, I, said I understand to her, why it's asked, but like yeah. I just want to be like, you know what? Well, that's we yeah. shoot the shit. Right. We so, can't give you a rundown and that's the, of questions. That's what I said. And uh, shouts to to Tiffany, her assistant, who uh, we've been trying to work this around both of our schedules. Because um, when she's been able to do it, we haven't been able to do it, and vice versa. So shouts to her. But yeah, when she asked that, I was like, I know that that Tiffany probably doesn't listen to brunch, so I'll just tell her like, we just kind of vibe out. So. She seems really, really cool. We love her in Master of None. I've seen uh, her other stuff. I saw Dear White People, which is a movie she produced. Fucking awesome. So we are like, we know that she's really cool. We've read her interviews. We've heard her other interviews. And we just want to vibe out with her. So 
that's what's going to happen. We're really psyched about that. Um, so quick little backstory on uh, Lena Waithe in case you haven't seen Master of None or really don't know her backstory. I would guess that a lot of people who have seen Master of None just figure she's an actress and, and that's it. So she's a TV writer and a producer. She wrote on Bones. Um, as I said, producer on Dear White People. Uh, she's making a show right now about Chicago, where she's from, with Common, which is going to by be the, way, the coolest thing ever. By the way, speaking of Common, because he did the a speech during the yeah. during the Grammys. He looked good at the Grammys. He did. Speaking of great uh, bone structure, right? Yes. <laughs> How do we leave him out of the Hot Guys episode? I don't know. Good yeah. question. But l- when he was speaking at the Grammys, I was like, "Fuck." This guy could be talking about anything, and I would just be nodding my head, being like, yes, yes. I agree. I love Common. He could be fucking talking about the meat sweats, and I'd right. be like, yes, I totally agree. You're right. You're right. right. You're right, Common. Oh. We're going to, as much as I don't want to pick her brain about some of the people that she's worked with, I know that the interview might devolve into that at some point. So uh, anyway, so she had done one episode of... Um, of the comeback with uh, with Lisa Kudrow, and that was her only acting credit. We're only going to talk to her about Friends. Right. <laughs> God, <laughs> fuck, I didn't even think about that that connection, too. So um, Allison Jones, who is the only casting director that I think probably either of us have heard of because she's the fucking, she's the god of, uh, of casting people. She did Freaks and Geeks, a lot of Judd Apatow stuff. So she cast Lena Waithe, in Master of None, despite her having not really had this huge track record of being an actress. And not only was Lena Waithe a main character on the show, she was a black gay woman that was not any of those things in a token capacity, which in mainstream TV shows, you don't fucking get. That's like Hollywood bingo, pretty much, for like outliers, pretty much. She was a black gay woman playing a black gay woman as a main character, she was the straight man on the show, no pun intended. She was The show is about a guy kind of going through that sort of quarter-life crisis. And he's got some silly friends. And really, the only consistent voice of reason on the show is Denise, which is probably why she's everyone's favorite character. Because in addition to being funny and really cool, that show fucking falls apart without her. So uh, she killed it in Master of None. And uh, yeah, I'm psyched to talk to her. Lena, what up? What up? What's going on? Nothing. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, so we've been arguing so far about the Grammys, so just as sort of an icebreaker, your only tweet okay. of the Grammys was, and I quote, Kendrick is king. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete and I have been going back and <laughs> forth. Without dissing Taylor Swift, or I love Taylor Swift, uh, settle this argument. Should To Pimp a Butterfly have won Album of the Year? There is a correct answer. Um, here's the thing. I'm a, this is my experience. I, I listened to Temple Butterfly more than I listened to 1989. Um, I did, but I listened to both, but to me, the Temple Butterfly had such, it was like James Baldwin meets, Mm. you know, Huey P. Newton meets Miles Davis in an album. And I don't think those albums come along very often. Meets an MPC too. Like it was, it was in the past and it was in the present. I mean, it blew me away. I, I, I hear new, I hear different things when I listen to, when I listen to one of those songs again. It's sort of like, oh, oh, that's my takeaway. Oh no, that's my takeaway. So to me, it was so layered. It's like on the level yes. of Miseducation of Warren Hill. Yes. Um, you. you know, but if you look at something like 1989, I mean, there's also something to be said about what pop music can be, you know, the, the, the kind of reach it can have and, and, you know, the, the longevity it can have as well, because it's, you know, I'm not trying to put her in this, this category, but there's some people that can look at some of the Beatles albums and say, it's pure pop. It's pure pop. It's, it's simplistic. It's sweet. It's, it's, it's innocent. It's romantic, right. you know? Um, so there's that argument to be made, for that as well you know i mean taylor swift is like uh you know she's she's a monster like she's as every time i look at her i'm like that's a rich bitch like that's that chick is like really doing it but to me i just sort of think in my world in my car and what i'm listening to like 
just, you know, it, that's why it's so depends. That's why it's so interesting because it's so subjective. Because one person could say, 1989 is like, changed my, it was so great. And I've I talked to friends of mine who are like, yo, that album goes. I mean, people were telling me that, like, jump, and I was like, really? I really? And not to take away from her credibility, just because she's a young pop star girl, you know, she's not Britney Spears. You know, she's not, she's not that. She's a songwriter. The girl knows how to play an instrument. Like, mm-hmm. she's smart. And also, I mean, the fact that she, has like I think is it is it Kendrick featured on that album? Well, he does a re- so the worst song on that album, and I love so I definitely won this argument, Pete, because she just Whatever. said basically everything I think. <laughs> because I'm, I mean, <laughs> I gave to Pimp a Butterfly like 25 listens before I felt I was done learning new things about it. So you're you're totally yeah, right. Me too. And and I love 1989. I love I love Max Martin who did a lot of the production and everything. But uh, yeah, so the worst song on that album was Bad Blood, but she did a remix. Where all it was was it was basically a Kendrick song with her doing the hooks, which was mm, absolute. Yeah, it, it, it took it from being the worst song to the best song on the album. So I mean, it's crazy, but the fact that she, because obviously that's coming from her. That's her. I mean, right. You know what I'm saying? That's her. Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, she's also a person that whether you love it or hate it, she posted that thing on Instagram of her mouthing all the words from his freestyle. You yeah. know, on his um his first album. Back so freestyle. Yeah. It's like you look. She. The the girl understands, you know, what she has a really great understanding of, of music. Would it have been a huge moment for him to win album of the year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as, especially after his performance. I mean, right. look, I think to me, I just I have such an appreciation. Like I watched his performance like eighteen times. Like you know, it's because I just I'm so moved by it and it inspires me to be a better artist. But I think the the bigger thing is this what i what i hope he does because the interesting thing and we're getting super deep right now but I, i'm very passionate about this the thing is is like that's such a grand stage right yes. it's a grand stage it's the biggest stage in music and for the because oftentimes when you think of rappers or if you think about past performances from people in the hip-hop community it's about them mm-hmm. they're glorifying themselves they're saying look at me look at my chain look at my chain look at the women on stage Look at how hard I can go. Kendrick said that performance is going to be about us. Yes. Look at us. Look at look at look at the, look at the melanin in our skin. Look at look at our noses. Look at our nappy hair. Look at look at look at the chains are on, on my wrist. You know, look at the fire on my back. Like look at look at look at who we are right now. This is a this is a timestamp of, of the times we live in. That's why I'm. That's so- what he chose to use that stage for. And I was like, that to me is revolutionary. Yes. And that, I think it makes all hip hop artists kind of look at themselves and go, Oh, so that's why I'm irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> well, that's why I'm so glad that he came out with, and obviously he did three songs, but that he came out with black or the berry, which was probably Woo! I mean, all right. was an amazing song, but my favorite song on that album probably is black or the berry because so is my what, girlfriend. Nice. Yes. Yeah, my girlfriend was like, Oh my God. Like she, cause then that's what got her because she was like, Cause we went to his concert out here. Um, Wait, which West, one? Which was like, oh, uh, in California. It was the one at the Wiltern. Yeah, the Wiltern. Okay. Um, yeah, Tiffany Wright. He was at the Wiltern. Yes, it was. I'm oh, sorry, I have to modify. He was at the Wiltern, and it was great. It was amazing. But the thing is, because my girlfriend was kind of, she, also too, mind you, we were like, the, it was like a handful of black folks there. You know, that's really? other thing. So it's sort of like, oh yeah. That was like ninety percent white folks. I drove. You know, uh, so uh, I, I saw him in New York um, when he did this small tour with the the band. I think it's probably the same one that we're talking about. The yeah, Kuka's yeah, Groove tour. yeah, yeah. And I, I was so. like uh-huh. one of nine white people there. Well, that says more about L.A. than I think than okay. more about L.A. than New York. <laughs> but um, but the thing is, is that I, she was sort of like kind of curious about what 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 his set list would be and how he would like, roll up the song. So I think she was just really happy because she's been a country fan for a long time mm-hmm. that that's the song he opened up with. And he did such a great take on it as well. Yes. And I think a lot of black folks were like, oh, okay, okay, K-Dot, all right, so you, you go in there with it. Like, that's what you're going to do. You know, you're not going to just do, you know, the songs that they've heard on the radio or the songs they're familiar with. Like, you're going to hit them with the, 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 the freedom song. <laughs> like, yeah. this is kind of what that song is. And I think that to me is, like, so brave and so amazing um but yeah I, I was blown away and also too i mean that was like such a multi-layered because when you thought it was done you're like oh no now you about to hit us with this okay 
it was great. It was great. Like we, we, I honestly felt like he should have been the last performance. Like yes. no one should have touched the stage after him. Like he, he literally, literally and figuratively set that stage on fire. Well, that's what what bugged me, and I mentioned this that it was Pitbull. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be Pitbull. Come uh, on, I mean, and, and Bieber followed him. Bieber came after him. Oh. Tough break for Bieber. It was like, what? It just kind of makes you. That's the great thing. And I will say this is one of, my, one of my other favorite performances. I know some people loved it, some people hated it. I love Gaga. I oh, love yeah. Gaga's tribute to both. Yeah, I love David Bowie. Yeah, people were complaining that like she did too many songs or whatever and it was too nah, condensed. Man. No, I, thought that, I mean, Gaga can do no wrong. Well, there was like the two <laughs> tributes back to back and they were like very opposite tributes. Yeah. Gaga was like all right. right. and it was very like. It was very show showy, but yeah. that's who Bowie was. Yeah, and so, that's who Bowie was. Yeah, and then, the, then they had BB King afterwards, and that was also great. Yeah, yo, I really, yeah, I really, 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 really love that that tribute as well. Yeah, um, I thought Stevie Wonder's tribute to Maurice was also really mm-hmm. strong. You know, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, to me, what's so interesting about what it says about music is like. And look, no shade to Justin Bieber. He's making his money. You know, he's a little lost. Oh yeah, yeah. Right for now. what? For what? But he, I mean, as, yeah. It just, but it just looks like when you put certain artists, when you put like Gaga, you put Kendrick, you got Stevie Wonder up there, and then like Justin Bieber comes out with his guitar and is like trying to do a song about some girl. It's like, look, it's like we really we need to kind of teach our youth about what real music is and yes. what it sounds like, you know. And 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 I look, and Justin's cool, and he's got a lot of m- more money than he can count, and it's all fine. But I just kind of feel like our our parents even really had i mean come on like they had singers and songwriters yes they had people that were making music that was also political and it but also could be pop you know you could have a supreme you also have marvin gay and you know and, and it was just sort of like in stevie wonders of the world and, and i just kind of feel like you know music it's like we have those artists that are sort of in that vein still but we're still kind of clouded where you see some people on stage and going like what are you even doing here? Yeah. Like, how did you even get on the set list? That's and that, that's what bugged me ultimately. Uh, before I was I was making the the joke uh, like hashtag Grammy so white that like Kendrick was kind of how they promoted the Grammys. They gave him all the nominations and they said he's up yep. for eleven and he was up for for three of the big four. And then they they present him the rap album, which they normally don't present it during the show. They give him uh-huh. the rap album so you get to see him make his speech and everything. And then they go, mm-hmm. and again, no disrespect to Taylor, no disrespect to Ed Sheeran, they give out all the, the kind of big notable awards to, yeah. to kind of generic pop. And I was like, much like the miseducational Lauren Hill when she absolutely cleaned up, it was like, everybody, if you haven't heard this album, you need to hear it. This is the most important part of music from this last year. And they had the opportunity to do it. They took advantage of it by kind of making him the centerpiece, like I said, and then they just give it mm-hmm. away to everybody else, so... Yeah, and and that's I think a lot of people's issue is that they feel like they use those black acts to get you know to get the numbers and mm-hmm. to get people to tune in, but they don't give them they don't give them the awards. I mean, and uh, but then again, it's like who really gives it? I'm not fucking curse. Who really cares right. anyway? Because oh, you can, you can it curse was the lowest. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Who gives a fuck? Because I was watching Access Hollywood the next day, and apparently it was the lowest rated um, yes. Grammy since 2009. Hmm. Damn. So. Well, what, I don't know what that means. What it means is like the people that once watched it don't care or can read about it on, you know, can find out, oh, I'll find out who won on Twitter or maybe these people just sort of didn't care. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, Rihanna like gave so few shits that she didn't even like perform. Who, who the hell says, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it. I got bronchitis. It's like, right. Chick, you're not Whitney Houston. So it's like, what? I don't know. It's just, it's just very like odd to me. But I just kind of think people are starting to not give a shit because they're still so you know it's, it's sort of it's those things those people that are voting don't really have their fingers on the pulse but the, the funny thing is is like i, I kind of almost felt like and i was watching you know and again you gotta consider the source i was watching the today show the mm-hmm. following day and the last hour with Kathleen and hoda uh they were like the lead thing they talked about was taylor you know and her speech and her winning and the award she won, but it's like, but Kendrick won the most awards that night. Yes. They talked about him second. Yeah. So I was like, so Taylor gets the, gets the lead in, but Kendrick won five awards, which is not an easy thing to do. Right. It's, yeah. It's like to win five. So, when, when you're not, when they're not giving you record of the year, when they're not giving you album of the year, song of the year, things like that. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I don't know. So, but I, that, that kind of bugged me a little bit, but, 
Well, I am thrilled that we just began this conversation. That by was talking one hell of a nice break. Ke- all I ever wanted <laughs> yeah, to do was no. talk about Kendrick Lamar. So the fact that we had a guest ask the question about Kendrick Lamar and then got to have a fucking deep ass real conversation <laughs> about Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> that absolutely made my day, Lena. Um, so, Same. You can't not have a deep conversation about Kendrick Lamar. Yes, <laughs> There's no you. way. Um, so congratulations on season two of. Um, of Master of None, of that coming back, of the the show you're Thank working you. on with Common, you are absolutely killing it right now. Uh, Pete, Thank you. you. You had a question about uh, the character of Denise. Yeah, I mean, we, I don't know if you know this, but we have been hell bent on getting you on the show ever since we finished Master of None. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. So, my my question is, how similar are you to the character of Denise? Um, I think she and I have very similar, we have a similar fashion sense. Uh, that is because of the disease. He really sort of liked the way I dress as a person. And, um, like, it's funny because of, like, my style is, um, not unlike Justin Bieber. It's <laughs> like the hair and pants. We were just saying, you kill, you kill the blazer and buttoned up shirt with no tie look. You kill oh, it. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you. Every now and then I do a bow tie if it's really fancy, but... <laughs> I, I love a blazer, which is like a, a button up. And um, if I'm dressing up, if I'm going to like sort of a formal event or something. But, but on a on an everyday basis, I love Jordans uh, nice. because uh, I am on a Netflix show. I'm enjoying the Yeezys as well now. Um, but uh, and um, those can you know be a pretty penny. Uh, come on, Kanye. <laughs> uh, and uh, and um, and then I love just like I love a harem sweatpants. I love a hoodie and a snapback. Nice. Um, that's sort of like my, my everyday gear. Uh, so, and, um, and I can kind of switch it up and change it up a bit, but as he's really like, he just really liked my fashion sense and he was like, I want the character to dress like you. And so I really collaborated, collaborated with Dana, who's our awesome, awesome costume designer. She also does Broad City. Amazing. Um, anyway, so she was our person who really kind of, a lot of us want to dress like a, a sort of a version of ourselves. And, and so that's like a very similar thing. I also am a person that kind of cuts through, I kind of cuts the quick. I don't like kind of dealing with like, I don't like beating around the bush. Mm-hmm. So that is very similar to me. But I will say, um, I am a very, as you guys can kind of tell, a very animated, overly opinionated person. And I can kind of just sort of be sort of over the top. So for the character, because everything was just sort of very conversational and very laid back, I definitely have to kind of bring that down and sort of like, you know, not get too big um, because also the energy could also transfer. And I think Aziz wanted to keep his, you know, he didn't, he wanted to make sure the character felt like a version of him and he didn't want to get too into Tom, Tom, you know, territory. So I think, I think he and I both really were very mindful of sort of keeping it as rooted and like a grounded and honest as possible. So that character is a lot more dry and a lot more laid back than I am. Because if you if you if you hadn't had dinner with me, like I, you were like, oh okay, she uses her hands a lot. She's like loud. She's like, acting out this thing that happened. And that character is sort of very like just sort of chill and, and like laid back, which I actually loved playing because it was a little bit of a challenge to like not get too big every now and then. But people seem to like that. They love her. People love that she's so dry and just kind of to the point. I was just gonna ask. She, I think, for the most people that I've talked to. Uh, Denise is probably their favorite character, maybe uh, maybe under uh, Aziz's dad, who people seem to oh, love. That's, <laughs> that's a huge compliment because I think Aziz's dad is it probably hilarious. my favorite character, just as my favorite person. Like, when he I, walks so in, nice he's to, like, "What's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, man?" Like that. It's just like, and that's him. Like he's such a great. I mean, his parents. I mean, I, I got to, to to kind of hang out with him a little bit more at the after party and. They're just such wonderful, sweet, amazing people. And you kind of get, oh, this is why Aziz is such a good dude. And also, Aziz has a younger brother who's a writer on the show, and he's also just awesome and funny. And it's just like, oh, okay. Of course, you guys, the product of these two amazing, um, sweet human beings. Because <laughs> like, they just really are a, a, a wonderful, wonderful family. And it was kind of cool to kind of see them all together. It was really a family affair at the premiere and the after party. Okay. Were you at uh were you at all surprised by how well Denise was received? And is it a big if you if is it a big ego boost uh, since you're similar? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I mean, I think I'm surprised by all of it because when we we really didn't know. I mean, I knew I could tell we were having fun while we were making it, but the truth is we were sort of in a bubble. You know, we were in New York. 
it was it's not taken in front of a live audience. We didn't know what we had necessarily. And even for Aziz and Alan, when they had to go away and edit everything, you know, they they probably didn't know what they were going to have, you know, once it was all said and done. So I think for us, I think we were just sort of happy to to go make something, you know, especially with, with a company like Netflix, they really give you a lot of freedom to to sort of, you know, to be yourselves and to to to, to make just really good art. Um, we're just really happy to be doing that and be doing that in New York City is, is really a dream. So whatever came out of it, I was I was just really proud to be a part of it. And um, and then once I saw when I went to the premiere, they showed like the first two episodes, which are really they, they were, I mean, because I was an audience full of people, which you rarely get to see TV like that. So we could kind of get a sense that night. Like, oh wow, it was obviously in front of a New York audience, and they really responded really nicely and well. And though the premiere, you don't got to be like, okay, take it with a grain of salt. But we kind of really got a vibe, like, immediately, you know, on, on, on social media and, like, sort of Twitter, and that people were really filling the show. And immediately I just kind of got this rush of, like, Instagram followers and Twitter people. It was, it, it was, it was really flattering. And, and to me, I was just – I felt like I had won already because I got to be a part of this project. I mean, the people involved were so great. I mean, Eric Wareheim and, you know, Kelvin Yu and, and Noel and Alan Yang and Michael fucking sure. I mean, like, it was a gift – whether it was well received or not. So I, I kind of had to say to mind where it was like, I just feel really lucky to have been a part of it. So the fact that people really liked the show and really respond to my character was icing on an already very delicious cake. As a writer and a producer and a TV person, I mean, did you know as you were doing it? Because I mean, you, you, you didn't have many acting credits to your name at that point. Right. So, but so uh-huh. but could you appreciate as a TV person, as you were making it, that like, oh shit, this is good. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I and I and I'm a, I'm a fan of Alan Yang, you know, and and, and I loved. It. I mean, look, I was a big fan of Parks and Rec, yeah. So I really trusted whatever they they asked me to do, and um and and they also were collaborative. They would say, hey, if you want to throw in a you know during rehearsal a joke here or two, let us know, like do it, and if we like it, we'll keep it and put it in the, in the script. So you know, you also kind of felt like you could kind of help and try to pitch and contribute. But I just felt like it was just really smart, and I really loved I love their voices, uh, and I think uh, Alan and Aziz make for a really really great team. They really get each other, and they know each other's you know strengths, and so I just kind of thought like I'm safe in their hands, um, and so I could kind of feel it. I was like, wow. I mean, that's what I really did think. I was like, oh, this is really special. But I know my taste can be a little, you know, you never know because I, mm-hmm. I can sometimes I like things that that, you know, not everybody watches. And so that's why I was kind of hopeful. Oh, I hope people get this. I hope people really kind of get the journey we're trying to take them on. And and that's why I was really, like, pleasantly surprised that people kind of, they got it. They're like, oh, okay. So every show is sort of its own thing, or it looks very cinematic, or it kind of has sort of a vintage feel to it. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm just happy that people kind of, they got it. I, I know that in a past interview you'd, you'd mentioned that in other shows, whenever they'd introduce a gay character or a black gay character, that you got the sense that the people who wrote it had never actually met one in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How much did they consult you? And not even just for playing a gay character, but playing a woman. I know that, that Lynn Shelton wrote the Ladies and Gentlemen episode, but it seemed that for a show whose main character was a guy... It she was, directed She directed Oh, it. she directed it. Okay. Um, yeah. They were the show always seemed very sensitive to kind of everything. So how much did they consult uh, maybe everybody on stuff like that? Um, they, they really, well, I know, look, it was interesting because it's very semi-autobiographical. I mean, I think Deb is very, you know, loosely based on Aziz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelvin, youth character, Brian, is, is a thinly built version of Alan. Um, Eric Wareheim is very much like Arnold and Eric are kind of, well, Arnold's a very unique character, but I was Eric gonna say, is, then he seems a, awesome. I want to be friends with him in real life. <laughs> but Eric Wareheim is such a an amazing person and like so super smart and like just really cool to be around. So they really created a very interesting character for him. But and then for me, like they would genuinely ask me questions and it wasn't ever exploitative. It was just always so talk to us, what's going on? Or even I would just like say things because I felt very comfortable with, with Aziz and Alan very quickly. So I would say and you know, they're like fellow writers, so I would sort of talk to them you know, like I would anyone else. And we, and we became friends. So I was very much an open book and they would, they would sort of mine stories and kind of go, Oh, that's a funny thing you just said, or, Oh, that's cool. We'll put that in. And, you know, and I would literally tell them something and they would find a way to incorporate into the script. So that to me was like really special. And I think is what made the character so 
unique and so fresh is because they really, and they would also ask questions. They'd say, hey, would you say this? Or do you think, like, is that, is that a thing, you know, in the community? Like, and I would always answer them honestly. And mind you, I'm not, or they, they never looked at me as a representative for the entire lesbian community. That was never the, the case. But they would ask me, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a lot. Cause I'm like, nah, I'm not the one. Um, <laughs> but they were really fascinated by my story, my love story. The fact that the girl I'm with was, I'm the first woman she's ever been with. And that's a common thing that, that, that happens. That's such but... an awesome story, by the way. Everybody <laughs> listening, look up that story. It is unbelievable. It's fucking baller. Which <laughs> way, that, that speaks to how much game Denise has because, so th- your, your story in a nutshell was you were getting vibes from a girl and you were out to dinner with her and you didn't know if she was interested. So as your sort of harmless move, you went back and got the bottle of wine that she was drinking that night. And mm-hmm. that was going to be a baller move either way. If she, if she wasn't <laughs> feeling it, then it was like, okay, I've got a best friend now. And anyway, so exactly. But, but and that's what I wanted. <laughs> that's you can't go wrong. Right. That move. But yeah. also yeah. whose idea was the Nashville date? Denise, so which turned out to be a fucking baller idea. Exactly, they're like anything baller or super romantic. We're gonna have to be suggested. Well, it's um, no, um, no, but I mean, like that—that that kind of stuff is like. But that's the thing, and I would tell. I told Aziz that story when I first sat down with him before I even read with him, and I could tell him and Alan were like, "What?" Like it was sort of, and I think they just really were intrigued by that, like my that 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 sort of element of my personality, and they really just kind of. You know, pull from that. Even now, I just told someone, I was like, look, he's been texting me saying, yo, keep, keep, keep track of the stuff that you're doing or you're saying or what's happening. And so I literally have like a little Denise file that I'm keeping on my, on my notes app on my phone. I think random things that happen. Um, so he can kind of mine it for stories. But, uh, you know, that's, I think they're interested in that. I think they think, you know, like real artists define true humor and drama and, and real life situations. And so they always want to pull from that because they're not afraid to pull from their own experiences. Like he's pu- put a lot of his own stuff into his character. And um, I think that's why people can really relate to it and can really connect to it. So I'm, I'm really happy that they, that they have so many conversations with me and we have dinner and we have dialogue and, and they, and they take that and they go away and come back with these really cool scripts. And, and I really wish that, you know, more writers would do that because I see a lot of, um, lesbian characters and particularly a couple of lesbian characters of color that are on TV right now that are on shows that I've seen and I'm like they're literally there because somebody said oh wouldn't it be cool if the sister were a lesbian like you know mm-hmm. and I'm just sort of like they, that, that doesn't help us that, that doesn't help the movement you're not doing something you know uh, revolutionary in that if you actually went and had a conversation with a lesbian and it had that person help you craft that character would be great. The actress doesn't have to be. We all know that. Mm. But it's just like, go do some research or talk to someone who happens to be a, a queer person of color. And that'll help inform the character. But I think people are lazy. It's kind of want to go, oh, look, she's a lesbian and she's black and she's, she's the, the main character's sibling. Isn't that cool? And I kind of feel like it, it's, 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 that to me is very exploitative. And it's, it's just not, that's, that's not the way to go. Mm. I think Denise has the best line of the entire first season. Um, and it's the one where you're in the bar and you said, I provide a service. Uh, I make a woman come more times in 30 minutes than they have in the past six months. Who's I- so Pete's question is, how do you make a woman yeah, come? Yeah, how do you make a woman come? <laughs> I need to know. Well, that's um, a very loaded question. Settle a bit. <laughs> uh, no, but how did, how did that line come about? Who wrote that? Like, what was, if that wasn't your idea, like, what was your reaction? Because, like, that's got to be the best fucking thing to read as an actor or an actress being like, yeah, fuck yeah, I get to oh read this God. line. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I'm reading at the table read. Reading before the table read. It was really awesome. I don't know. I mean... I'm guessing I don't cause I don't want to give credit where it isn't due. I'm assuming everything went through Allen and Aziz, you know, and so some whether they approved it or they wrote it, one of them. But um, there's a lot of they were still tweaking the scripts when we were in New York. They obviously wrote all the scripts in L.A. Um, but they were still tweaking them as we went along. Not too much. I mean, they really kind of they knew the voice of the show. So, but I, I can't pinpoint who wrote that line. I definitely did not write it at all. But I, <laughs> so you wouldn't say something like that. This, yeah, I enjoyed uh, reciting it, um, but um, or delivering it. But I, uh, I, I think that did come out of you know just one of those silly conversations I would have with Aziz or Alan about you know. Well, I think I did say to one of them, probably Aziz, that <laughs> I did tell the them thing that, about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I did say to one of them that I said that to a woman. No, um, the thing about when you when women. Well, one, 
it's a proven fact. It's like scientific that because I've read this somewhere online. I don't know if it's true, but like women have more orgasms with female to female sex. Hmm. And one of my guesses is, is because when you're a woman and you have sex with a guy, as we all know, the joke goes, once a guy comes, he has to sort of, he goes to sleep or has to sort of like recharge um, because that's just how the body works. Mm-hmm. Um, women, there's, there's nothing to recharge. So I can go two, three, four, five, six rounds at, within an hour, you know what I'm saying, within, you know, 45 minutes. And that, I never have to like go to sleep and take a nap and go, okay, okay, now I'm ready to go again. That's amazing. The, the, the delivery yeah. of the, like the, the confident lesbian is something that you don't see much in TV. So like, as you're just mm-hmm. walking and strolling, being like, man, I crushed that. <laughs> I remember, I remember I was in college one time and I was eating with my friends and one of them was saying, he was like, man, I was eating box all last night. I was like, I was driving her crazy. And my friend Ashley just very matter of factly was like, I bet you weren't. I bet you weren't driving her crazy. I bet it didn't do anything for her. Because, like, guys do this thing where they just talk about, like, oh, man, I, I, I crushed that. I, I knocked it out. And especially guy to guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and, it's, and I even will chime in. Even the idea of, like, first of all, that's not fun for any woman, like, going down on her for too long. It's like you make her, you know, you, you have her arrive, and then you do something else. <laughs> it's like you, if, you, if you're just doing that. Yeah, you that don't want to stay at the pre-party for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, no. You want to get like, to the party no. eventually. <laughs> yeah, you can only pre-game for so long. It's like, then it's like, okay, now you got to do a couple other different things. So that doesn't actually sound like a wonderful night. Again, that's what I think, too, is this thing, I think, where guys assume they're like, oh, chicks love that. Oh, yeah, women dig that. And it's sort of, and I think whether it's they're having these conversations among themselves or they've watched something or read something and they've convinced themselves or they had sex with one girl and this one thing worked for her. So they keep doing it. And it's just like, no, nah, man, it's like, first of all, every woman is different. Every woman has a completely different body. Every woman has completely different, um, you know, uh, erotic zones. So it's like, you have to pay attention. You got to listen. Like, it's like, and I think that's the thing that I think guys do where it's like, it's literally, if you can put like, say five women in a room, and they've all had sex with, like, the same guy, if they all say, oh, yeah, he does this, and he does that, and then he does this, and he does that, that is the, the definition of a bad lover. You don't want a scouting because report. It's like, you don't want there to be a, a scouting report on you. Exactly. Like, they should all say, oh, well, he didn't do this because I love this, and so he's realized that and started doing that. Or with me, like, he only did it doggy style, but he knows I appreciate that. Like, it's like, it has to be, it's like, a guy should never have sex the same way, you know, with a different girl. You know, it's all about what that chick is into and what, what, what speaks to her the most. And I think that's the thing. I think guys, if one chick like loves a thing, they keep doing it. I think that was like a, a, a storyline on sex in the city once, or whatever they were talking about. They're like, yeah, a lot of guys do this. A lot of guys do that. Cause I think there's a thing of like, they're creatures of habit. You figure out this one thing and you're like, okay, that's my thing. That's my go-to. And it's like, nah, man, you got to like figure out what is your, what is the girl you're in bed with right now at this moment? Enjoy. What is she like? And the only way you can figure that out is by really exploring her body figuring it out and like listening to the sounds that she's making and then kind of go, Oh, okay. You like that. Oh, okay. You dig that. Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And discovering new way. And if you have a long term girlfriend, it's about discovering ways to keep it fresh and exciting and new. So it's like, she feels like this is the first time every time. See, that's, that's my whole rant on sexual. No, advice. that's good. And that's why like every time it, it happens less and less as you get older, because I think uh, guys care less to show it off but like every time back in the day when a guy would talk that big a game of like oh man you won't believe what i did last night this and that, that's why like you'd always get the like why the fuck you lying kind of thing <laughs> you just like knew you're exactly. like something's something's uh wrong there um so yes on master of none the biggest takeaway for me and i then found with everybody who watched the show the last two episodes everyone's thoughts as they become a not-so-young adult kind of come crashing down. Like, the way that everyone feels at some point about commitment, about the rest of their lives, about marriage and all that stuff, kind of, they punch you in the face. And everything that at least I've thought about, that I've worried about, is, like, right there. Freaked me the fuck out. At any point when Uh you're making the show, um, because, I mean, you're the same age, are you thinking, like, wow, this is painfully real? Mm, and I, yeah, should, I know you're yeah. in a relationship, so that's a weird question for me to ask. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, but here, here's the thing. And, and, and mind you, and I 
because it's funny because I when I first sat down and was talking to Aziz, I I told him at that moment I was like, yo, like I'm I feel very like I, I was still fresh in my relationship, but I was like, she's the one. I feel very confident in that. Like I don't have any like qualms about that. Like I'm like this girl is like very special. And I remember Aziz being like, shit, I've been with my girl for a long time, and I'm still trying to figure out if that's right. So I think it's just a matter of. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a male female thing. I don't know if that's it, or if it's just even a personality thing. Because that's the thing that Aziz, I think, pokes fun at himself about is that he's always, you know, laboring over these decisions, you know, big or big and small. And and I'm a kind, of, I'm a very decisive person, and I think that's something I think Denise and I also have in common. You know, where it's like she's like, you know, like I love, I do love this thing too, where he she, she comes in and the guys are talking about. It. He's like, man, I took this girl, she ain't hit me back. I don't know what's going on. And Michael's like, well, that means she don't like you. That means she's not into you. Because if she likes you, she'll hit you back. Hmm. No, like, no, don't send a turtle coming out of a damn briefcase. No, don't don't ping her with a question mark. It just means that she's not into it. Plain and simple. And I think I can be very simplistic in that way. And I think there are other people like Aziz who are like, well, no, let me think about this. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me let me let me let me play out all the scenarios. You know, and I think that that and again, that could be a good trait, you know, to really hmm. to really feel things out before you make a decision. But I'm the kind of person where it's like, I don't want to lose something special because I'm trying to make sure I don't make the wrong decision. You know what I'm saying? So that's the, yeah. n- neither is right or wrong. But I'm a person where it's like, I'm just very like, yep, it's you, that's it, done. And some people are like, well, let me see. And people, more often than not, mo- most people are like, you know, the latter. They're like, let me figure this out. Let me, let me make sure this is right. And I'm the kind of person where it's like, no, I go with my gut. Like I, like I told my my girlfriend, like I loved her like four days after we started like dating. Damn. And um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and here that, we are. That's a bold jump, even if you know that. Here. That's true. I said it to her. I was like, because I'm just that person. Like I'm not gonna. But I feel like you wouldn't not, have done it you know, if you didn't something. know you could pull it off. Like that's what, like you you, you <laughs> give off this like utmost game thing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like you, I feel like you, you know, can say like, like whatever look, the I fuck gotta... you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, I do sometimes and I'll step in it every now and then. But, uh, but look, I, I just kind of feel like my, that's how I prefer to be. You know, like, mm. like look, I put it out there. Because also I always tell people like when they're, you know, um, my, my girlfriend, I have a mutual friend and, and he's like, should I tell the guy I love him? Should I tell, should I tell him I like him? Or should I do that? And I think it's always like, look, you can go one or two ways. You can say, hey, I like you. I want, I want us to really explore this further. And they can either say, you know what? I don't see you like that, but I want to still be friends. Cool. Or they could say, you know what? I, I've been thinking that too, but I, hadn't had to, I wasn't brave enough to really bring it up. So, uh, okay, sure. Let, let's go on a date. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, but you just got to be willing to live with, die with, each, with, with whatever that decision is. But the thing is, like, you're not going to, the world isn't going to end. Yeah. If, you know, w- w- no matter what the answer is. And I think a lot of people are afraid of getting a negative answer. So you just kind of live in the, the gray. And I hate gray area. I hate it. That is So some... my thing is always like, here's my truth. Here's how I feel. You go. And you feel the same way. Great. Let's go. And, and luckily, she said it back. <laughs> you know? But we both acknowledged like this, it was crazy. But, you know, I'm, at the end of the day, it's like, why, why be the, I don't understand this whole thing of, oh, we're kicking it or we're talking. Oh, yeah. we're, we're not quite dating yet. I, that's the thing of this generation that I don't understand. I just, I just hate that shit. The I out. hate it. It's we're ridiculous. Talking. We're hanging we, out. We've been we're, hanging we're talking. Out. Yeah. Um, well, that's inspiring, and you, you're a much stronger person than I am. Um, <laughs> one thing that you haven't been afraid to touch on, which I commend you for, because I agree with it, is the whole Cosby situation. So, quick little story. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one of my guitars painted like the sweater he wore with the track on it. So I have a guitar wow. painted like a Cosby sweater. And the day I picked it up, the news was like, hey, guess who raped everybody? Bill Cosby. Wow. And, like, the, obviously, Bill Cosby, we've come to find out, did terrible things, terrible person, unforgivable. But mm-hmm. you haven't been afraid to say, it's all right to still say that the Cosby show was a very good show and that the Huxtable family was great. I mean, that was, I didn't watch too many shows growing up. The Cosby show was kind of like my one thing. So 
Mm. I, I agree that, that we should still be able to have the Cosby show, much like we still have the Beatles, despite John Lennon beating up girls. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it was, it was cool that, that when everybody's kind of maybe afraid to, to say the taboo thing about the Cosby show, that you're like, no, 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 it's, it's still a good show. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. I mean, it literally set me on a path that, that has me sitting on my couch talking to you guys right now. Yeah. You know, he literally, you know, what he was doing was so important for the culture, you know, at the time. And, and he didn't, even before that, I mean, being on I Spy and, you know, all these things, before, long before the comedy show, Pat Albert, this mm. sort of his, his, he, 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 he's the one that inspired Richard Pryor to want to be a comedian again. You know what I mean? So it's like, let's not, let us not forget, you know, the things that one does. And I, even speaking of Kendrick, I mean, he speaks about, you know, yeah. what happens when those things about our heroes come out. Like, what do we do then? You know, he talked, he, he and his song, of course, talking about Michael Jackson. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, we create the heroes we require. We just do. Yeah. And we required Doctor, we required Heathcliff Huxtable at that time, and it, it it will always mean so much to me that like those episodes, like I can I can I can I can call them out like as if they are like, they are memories of my childhood. I mean, come on, it's like oh yeah, I mean with the Ray Charles and what's singing, Absolutely. like you know, and, and and to me it's like I'll like the episode, and I'll go into some deep shit they did like. They talked about the sit-ins. Yeah. The civil rights movement. So in a very unique, funny, smart way. What they had Claire, I'm going to go into it. <laughs> Claire's high school girlfriends, you know, who get together once mm-hmm. a year and like hang out, which is a really nice, like, okay, cool. You get that storyline. And they come together and they reminisce on a particular teacher who sort of like, um, they kind of got in trouble, but not really for going to participate in the sit-ins. And they talk about it and they reenact it. And it's just like, so you go from it being silly and they got the wigs and they're dancing to them having this real memory of like, Oh, remember that day we cut class to go participate in the civil rights movement. Like it's like what he does, what he did or is being accused of is, is, is heinous. It's horrible. But at the same time, it's the same person that, put on that show that I could sit and watch and be laughing about. But as a child, I'm sitting here like, Oh, it made me kind of put like, Oh, so Claire Huxtable, someone of that age would have been participating in the civil rights movement. And even that episode where they just, all of a sudden they walk into the living room, like, it's like, you know, like just, just randomly there's, a, I have dream speeches on the TV and they sit around and they sit on the, ca- the couch and watch it, hmm. start watching it. And you know, and uh, he pulls Rudy on his lap and they sit down and they watch, you know, it, 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 it's like, you know, it's, it's great. It's such a wonderful pitch perfect show. There's so many great episodes. There's an episode when they go down to the basement and like they start, you know, singing, you know, um, Moody's Move for Love, you mm. know, and Nancy Wilson, you know, plays Denise's mother-in-law. Yeah. Nancy Wilson, like, come on, guys. It's just like, it, it, it's B.B. King. The great B.B. King comes does an episode and uh, the whole family goes out to see you and the kids are like, I don't want to go see that. I don't hear that music. And then yeah, Vanessa has the blues, you know, Kenny like it comes over and is enamored by him. Like I could talk to you for hours about the show because I studied it. It, it, it. it was a show that showed me that the world was bigger than my own backyard. I'm just, I hope that, I mean, hearing you speak about it, clearly it's changed your life and it changed a lot of people's lives. But John Lennon never really had his day where everyone was like, fuck John Lennon. I'm not listening to the Beatles ever Mm -hmm. again because he did all this stuff. And maybe it's because it wasn't in the social media age or something like that. But I hope that I know that all those all the channels dropped Cosby show like Hulu took it off. Right. That stuff. I, I hope that after some time, at least people will be able to separate Bill Cosby from the Cosby show because I think it's too good a show. I mean, I loved it. I mean, as, as a white person, I loved it because it was just like funny. It was the perfect family, but it was, it affected so many different people in so many different ways that it would be an absolute shame for, for that show to just completely go away. And for everything that, that Felicia Rashad and everyone did on that show to just be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it, it's it's to me, it's classic. Are, are we going to, you know, take away Annie Hall? Yes, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Are we going to take away, you know, Rosemary's Baby? You know mm. what he did. So it's like to me, it's like if we're going to discount, you know, one person, let's 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 shame them all. You know, we are all at the end of the day, you know, skin and bones. Where no one is. You know, we all, mind you, some of us have bigger demons than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not forgiving anything that he's done. But I do think some of the most troubled people make some of the best art, unfortunately. Uh, before we let you go, what can you, uh, what can you tell us what's in store for you? What's in store for Denise in the sec- uh, second season of uh, Master of None? What's going on with Is you? Is Common going to guest yeah. in Master of None? You need to you need to common? you need to merge your projects <laughs> and get common in Master. That, well, first of all, Common would be like so excited about that. I'll, I'll pitch it to Aziz. They actually probably would be like down. That'd be interesting. Um, Common's like the, such a really really good dude. I mean, in terms of Denise, I it really depends on what happens to me. <laughs> like, what's the interesting thing and what Aziz and Allen and Michael Scherz behind to be interesting or funny or entertaining that they want to pull from. So it sort of depends on my life and what, what happens as we kind of, as they get back into the writer's room and kind of figure out what, what's going to happen in season two. Um, so I can't say. It's, it's, time will tell. Um, and then for me, I mean, look, man, I'm hoping Showtime will, will give me an official green light on my show. There, We're definitely moving in the right direction. Um, Showtime is very supportive of the project, and I think they just kind of want to make sure we've got our ducks in a row to keep, keep it moving. And then... Uh, waiting to hear about 20s, which is over at Hulu. If you haven't seen the pilot presentation, like go on YouTube and just type in 20s, and um, our sort of like four part pilot presentation will pop up. Check it out, mm. comment, share it if you haven't. And uh, hopefully, Hulu will, will want to let us keep making that show. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm like writing my first feature right now. I can't say what it's about, uh, but I'm excited about it. And um, yeah, and there's some more. I just I went and shot uh, these past couple of days. I'm going to be in the season three premiere of Transparent, uh, which I which I'm a huge fan of the show. And Jill Soloway is is, is a treasure, and uh, I was really excited to go be a part of that because it was really really amazing. I had an amazing time doing that. So and at the first episode, I got a chance to obviously read it, and it was it's really special. So I hope everybody tunes into that. So. It's just some stuff and some other some other acting opportunities are coming about. Got to make sure I am um, a little little time management. Um, but then also too, I'm producing a friend's feature, which we're going to start filming in April or May, called "Ain't No Half Stepping," and it's all about a white girl that teaches a bunch of oh no, a black girl teaches a bunch of white girls how to step. Uh, okay. So it should be kind of fun. It's going to stomp the yard, meet Sister Act. Uh, so be, be a lookout for that. Words for me, Sister Act Two is. At some point, we're going to do a Sister Act 2 podcast. Pete doesn't know that. Oh, my God. Sister, that would be amazing. Sister Act 2 is like my life. I was actually thinking the other day, uh, of like, would I be the first person to ever get a Sister Act 2 tattoo? <laughs> uh, if you got a Sister Act 2 tattoo, that would like literally like make you the coolest person on the planet. Yeah, I just don't know what it Legit. would be. I would... I get a tattoo. That your teacher says, says to take off your robes. Th- I was quote. just about to reference that. So here's the thing, Lena. Why do... <laughs> Why do they believe her? A wo- they're about to perform. They have this thing they planned, and a, a woman just comes up to them and says, "Take off your robes." And they're like, "What?" And she goes, "I don't know. Just your teacher says take off your robes, okay?" And they fucking do it. <laughs> they do Why would they it. listen to that? They know there are other teams competing, it's other schools great, trying to take them down. It's a great. It's a great plot point. It's a great plot point. That's where. So that was, I think Rita's it, mother sent that bitch in to to throw the whole thing off to sabotage. To sabotage. <laughs> Yeah, sabotage. Uh, Man, that's I, awesome. I I hate to do the whole like, what was it like working with this person? Or tell me the coolest story of this person. So I'm just not going to ask anything. But if you want to inform us whether or not you're tight with John Father John Misty because he did the episode Master Nun and you guys did that podcast together recently. And also, uh, I saw Dear White People, which was awesome. And I, I like, I'm shaking out of jealousy that, that you have interacted with Dennis Haysbert. So if you could tell us anything uh, about those two wonderful people. Father John, as I like to call him. No, I only, <laughs> I met him um, for the first time at, at the, uh, the dinner uh, party download. I, I wasn't in that scene, so I wasn't on set that day. So oh, I didn't get right. to meet him there. 
Um, but obviously Aziz and Alan are very familiar and our fans. Um, but I met him the first time when I was at that, that doing that podcast and he was so sweet and so great. It was a little, it was the most hipster green room ever. Cause it was me, Jenny, Jason, Jason Schwartzman, Jenny Slate yeah. and, and father John. And we were back there just sort of talking shit and just sort of like talking about the Sundance experience. It was just like really just, and it was like, it's, I wish someone would have had a camera on us and that's our conversation. Cause it was really kind of fun and cool, but he was just great. He, he cracked, he was cracking us up and he, he performed really cool songs. And so that's my experience with him. Just sort of like having a conversation with him and telling him he's the coolest person in the room. He literally walks around with the guitar all the time. And he's like cute and has a long hair. I'm like, you're just, you're that guy. And, um, it's cool to be in your presence. Uh, and then with Dennis Haysbert, he was really cool. Because here's the thing. I have a weird thing about him because I'm obsessed with Houston and he played her love interest and in waiting to exhale. I mean, most people, he's the president in 24. Right. Yeah. But David me, Palmer. He's the handsome dude that she or his wife with Houston and waiting to exhale. Um, so I was sort of like fan girlish over him, but he was really great. And he could not have been kinder or sweeter to us. We were literally a bunch of kids making a movie and he was definitely the, the, one of the few adults on set. Um, and, and whenever he walked on set, we were very like, we stood at attention and we made sure we were on our <laughs> P's and Q's and, um, and we were on our best behavior. And he was just, he was a joy to work with. And I hope to actually get a chance to work with him again. So those are my two stories about those guys. Well, Lena, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us. You this guys is, have been awesome. This has been, I mean, we have a lot of killer episodes as you might imagine, <laughs> but this has been, <laughs> this has been as much fun as I've had talking just fucking everything with a guest so uh lena thank you so much continued success everybody check out thank master you. of none check out dear white people check out everything that lena yes. does uh lena yes, Wade, thank you very much thank you guys Twitch. Twitch.